All right, welcome back to another episode of Warzone Eternal with your host, myself. I'm Rick. I'm Alex. Uh, Rick Talk. Rick Talk. <laughs> welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi tabletop. So, we are just before the launch of the Kickstarter. That's right. Which, I believe, if Brian told me right, it launches this Tuesday. Yep, if, uh, if, if that's correct, <laughs> as you are listening to this right now, yes. it launches uh, this coming Tuesday, May that's 2nd. Right. May 2nd. May 2nd, yep. So, do you have any news for the listeners for the Kickstarter as far as these last couple weeks getting ready to actually hit the launch button? Uh y- News, news or just like the, the massive continuous panic attack that is <laughs> leading up to a, uh, the launch of a Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, you know, talking to your production partners, making sure you understand, uh, you know, exactly what the prices are going to be for um, production, like what the time frame looks like, talking to fulfillment companies. Yeah, so how many, how many different pieces are there to jumping <laughs> a Kickstarter, honestly? How many pieces? Yeah, like how many different touch points? Touch points, mm-hmm. people you got to talk to. Like, yeah, so there's I mean, a lot that goes into a Kickstarter that I don't think a lot of people really know. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the fans of a particular game, right, are going to be looking at the like who's developing the game, right? Like, what is the uh, you know, what did it take to to write the rules, to do the artwork, to um, yeah, to a certain extent, some of the uh, physical production, right? The boxes, yeah. the cards, whatever, the board, if it's a board game, miniatures in our case. So those are all the things that people think about, right? But there's <laughs> yep. also, you know, you need to have marketing partners, right? And that's one of the things oh, that, yeah. that we've really learned from, from last year. I mean, it's reason, one of the reasons that, you know, Rick Talk is with us. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also brought in um, Heather O'Neill. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah, yep. she's great. Uh, so with a uh, level nine, ninth level, games. ninth level, ninth level games. Okay, mm-hmm. swap them. Uh, ninth level games, uh, but she's done a bunch of marketing work and pre Kickstarter uh, support for other companies. Um, so so you've got marketing considerations, right? So yeah. you're reaching out and trying to figure out like what do what do the ads look like? Where are mm-hmm. you advertising? Yeah. Um, you're reaching out to you know established uh, miniature hobby gaming websites, news sites, etc. Sure. to try to you know try to get your uh, knowledge of the game, um, you know, before customers that perhaps have are, are not part of the existing fan base. Yeah, yeah. building awareness is a big part of it, yeah. right? Uh, by by reaching out to all these different platforms, uh, like the tabletop news yep. uh, platforms. Yeah. You know, there's 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 a lot of touch points besides just we're going to make a miniatures game and we're going to put on Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, it's it's and and the thing is, Alex has put most of this on his own shoulders, which is quite quite crazy considering right yeah right that there's so many things that uh 
are, are part of this. And like you talked about, it's not just uh, getting the miniatures made, the game designed, and the artwork assets, which is, again, I think that's probably what most people think about. Well, I mean, that's arguably the fun part, right? That's the reason sure. why you do this. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I'll say to that, I had zero gray hairs prior to uh, taking this license on. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so and then beyond that, right? You've got so you got fulfillment considerations, right? Yeah. So now you have to do like boring conversations, like okay, how do we find out what size box we need to put stuff in, and, <laughs> and how do we? And so with something like Warzone, right? There's a there's a very large established fan base. Yes, in, in there Europe, is right? right, and so obviously we do not want to. I mean, I know we're an American-based company or a Michigan-based company specifically, yep. uh, and we really want to lean on that, but. We don't want to lean on that to the exclusion of our European fans as well. Sure. Right? And so so that means trying to establish a relationship with a localized fulfillment company in the EU and the UK mm-hmm. so that we can get um, uh, you know, custom, I think they call it uh, customs-friendly shipping, or they have the little badges oh, that you'll see yep. on Kickstarters. Okay. And, and basically what that means is that product goes to the end recipient, to the actual backer. Mm-hmm originating from a shipping location within In that this. jurisdiction oh wow so okay. you don't they don't have to pay customs they right. now there's still things like vat in a lot of countries yeah. that still need to be collected because and, and what, what is that uh value added tax Ooh. oh i did not realize we were gonna start going down uh, the we really route. don't need yeah. to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole <laughs> well, uh, well again when you when you, when you start throwing out acronyms and, and yeah. stuff yeah. Uh, that that the the layman may not understand, yep. uh, but under but knowing that value added taxation that occurs within this, yep. uh, again, it, it's a numbers game. It, it is, yeah. and right. I mean one of the things that you that I was not expecting when we did the Kickstarter the first time um, was the response to some of the considerations about pricing, mm-hmm. right? And because in the U.S. we show what the price is pre-tax, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This is what it costs. Yeah. In a lot, because uh, the VAT can be a significant addition right. uh, to a base, you know, like call it retail price. Sure. In a lot of European um, countries, apparently when they do things like crowdfunding, the VAT is built in. And then for a non-VAT collecting company um. or country, you have to you back it out. So you understand that it'll be cheaper. And okay. so, you know, when we say this is how much it's going to cost, well, then VAT goes on top of it. And so for the people who are subject to VAT, it's like, well, this is this is a completely different price point, right? right. Yeah. And and so, there's, now, of course, there's only so much we can do about that because we're yep. trying to appeal to people in a variety of different countries. Sure. We are a U.S.-based company. When we did the last Kickstarter, the overwhelming majority of our backers were U.S.-based. So there's mm-hmm. still a presumption, right, that... That, that we should be operating as a U.S. company, servicing U.S. customers, sure. but at the same time, trying to figure out how, how to, to get, it get everywhere else. Exactly. As, as easily and as cost-effective as, right. as possible. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we have no desire to leave, you know, any of our Italian, Spanish, Polish, French, mm-hmm. German, you know, um, U.K. fans, mm-hmm. you know, in the lurch because yeah. it's hard, you know, to get the stuff. Right. That, yeah, it, it, the, the, vastness that occurs within the actually putting together a Kickstarter is is much greater than most consumers would re- totally realize. And I find it interesting because on TikTok, there's, all, there's been a few people that I've interacted with that are like, yep, we're going to design a game here on TikTok with you, the community, and then we're going to launch said tic- uh, Kickstarter. Uh, and I'd always reach out and be like, 
So have you, yeah. have you thought about <laughs> any of this stuff? Yeah. Are you, how many times have you done a Kickstarter? Oh, this will be our first one. I'm sure you want to do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, no, the, designing the game is great. Do do that part of it. Absolutely design the game. Yep. Pitch it to a partner. So did you get that pitch from Rick? Which was, <laughs> no, I, I, I can promise everyone, Warzone Eternal was not designed in a Tic Tac li uh, live chat. So, no. Right. But, it, but it's been funny watching, and, and I won't say funny, it's been educational watching what you've been doing and, you know, watching what some of those folks on, on Tic Tac have done right. with, with sure. their Kickstarters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just people in general uh, that run Kickstarters. It, it's. I feel like everybody is in a constant state of education, even if they've done 10, 20, 30, because every Kickstarter is different. Yeah. Every community is going to be different, even though you might be a board game or a tabletop board game or whatever in, a, in that space. The next Kickstarter is a different game, different genre, different shtick. Different. And you're going to be, have different people yeah. here you have to deal with. Whereas you're dealing with a lot of interesting, you know, individuals in regards to this particular Kickstarter, but the way that you and Brian and, and the team hand, handles um, the questions and stuff has been very, I, I think, been amazing. Because I think that's one of the things that, another thing that a lot of people don't realize is there are personalities you have to deal with. Yeah. Right? And in how every you, space. How, and how you deal with them yeah. speaks to you as a company, and I think the way that you guys have been handling it has been top notch. Yeah, right? appreciate that. I mean, that's we hope that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think so. I mean, it, I obviously, know. there's yeah, there's. Could, could you imagine if you had to, if you dealt with them like Wendy's deals with any trolls? <laughs> oh, Good lord, <laughs> right? I mean, I thought that would be fun, right? But it fun wouldn't. It wouldn't be good. No, no, no. And at the end of the day, right? I think most of the people who have strong opinions. Mm -hmm do so because they love this game. I, I would agree yeah. with that, and 100%. We absolutely want those people to feel like they're welcome here and right. that, that we're building a game for for all of us. Right. I mean, as kumbaya yeah. as that may sound. It's <laughs> well, I think that also lends to the fact that you had already done a Kickstarter for this, this game, but yeah. because the community had, I, I don't want to say concerns, but they had questions and they had ideas and that, feedback and and positive yeah. mostly positive feedback that you took on took to heart backed off the kickstarter to come it's back been with something here to bring a lot of that back to come back with something bigger better bad yep. right and i from from what i remember from the first kickstarter to what the, you're you're about to launch on may 2nd yep. just in a couple of days is it, it, it's steve uh, what is it steve austin pre-bionic man <laughs> is now bionic man well and, nice. right and we, we hope that's you know when people take a look at the kickstarter that that's yeah. exactly what they feel mm -hmm. um you know it it's part of our advertising right you see comments that come back in mm -hmm. after the ads and you know somebody had had made the statement that well geez this this company tried to kickstart this last year and they they took it down and you know somebody else responded well geez that's that's even more reason to be cautious about backing this time. And I, and I started typing the response and then I realized that there's no point. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't explain in detail you know, mm -hmm. why things were done, but what we'd like people to recognize is we could, we funded, we could yeah, have just gone forward with that and, and produced a product that 
based upon the you know, the understanding, the adoption of the the good feedback, the, yeah. the constructive feedback that we received, we knew we could do something better. We could have just pushed that out. We chose not to. We were in a position where we could stop it, reassess what we were doing, mm-hmm. rework things, and come back a year later with right. something that was, yeah, as you said, it's it's revised, it's enhanced, it's bigger, there's more that's available. A lot more. And so, so we'd like people to look at that and say, okay, no, this is a company that chose to do that, mm-hmm. as opposed to say, you know, we've been working on this for, for a year and a half, and... We're close enough. Let's just let's just push it <laughs> out. Yep. Yeah, and we didn't do that, yeah. and I, it's it shows your passion for the universe itself and the community. Yeah, right. the, the consideration for the community, and I yes. think one of the things that Adepticon that came came through with that is people were excited. A majority of the people that came by the booth, if not all of them, that came by the booth that were uh, nostalgia fans mm-hmm. or new eyes on on this IP, all seemed excited and and. Uh, prepared for what's what's about to come out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and the ones that had followed or backed the previous Kickstarter were like, oh, oh, yep. oh, oh okay. we're doing this. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. These miniatures look way better. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah, I I'm hoping that anybody that is listening to this podcast that is a Warzone Eternal fan or uh, follower, or, you know that. Wants all the intel they can get on everything. <laughs> uh, takes that into consideration, right? Alex listened, yeah, and and yep. you guys are going to get blown away. It's so good, yeah, so. and it's it's exciting, right? We've been putting a yeah. bunch of prototype models in the mail, sending them off to um, you know people who've reached out to us. I, I don't want to say you know influencers necessarily because we didn't we didn't hunt down the biggest name influencers yeah. partially because. We're small. Our marketing budget I, is small. Is right? this? <laughs> but, but a lot of them, they're, they're fans who reach out and yeah. said, I, I, I love this this property. I really want to do something. You know, can, can I can I paint anything? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've we've sent miniatures to um, Sweden. We've sent miniatures to Poland. Um, stuff has been we, – we've already sent you know, figures off to our buddy Elfie in, in mm-hmm. Spain. And, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, we've there are, are yeah. models that are out there, and we're gonna so people should see as part of the the Kickstarter a pretty cool gallery section showing. Oh, like, that's these awesome. are what the models look yeah. like, and these are what the models look like in the hands of a bunch of different painters. Right. So, speaking of the gallery and whatnot on the Kickstarter page, is there going to be some other information on there, um, like possibly like gameplay and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, there will be a, an abbreviated gameplay section, okay. um, and pretty abbreviated, right? Because we sure. Uh, another thing about Kickstarters, right, is you're trying to figure out what the sweet spot is between providing information and not creating a Kickstarter page that takes you, you know, 45 seconds of scrolling to get through. Yeah. And also is so dense in information, you lose some of the, the really important critical mm-hmm. parts of sure. Kickstarter. Um, but like we did last year, we mm-hmm. will have a PDF uh, a, a Kind of like a quick start? Yeah, I don't really want to call it a quick start because it's not what we would produce as a quick start for somebody learning how to play the game. Okay. Because we want it to kind of cover the entire range of the game. Oh, okay. Perfect. But but in a very abbreviated form. Sure. So it doesn't – you might read part of it and say, well, I don't know what that term means. And right. in the full rules, right, it'd be defined and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we did one of those for the Kickstarter last year. We're working with the same the same document, and we're going to 
we're, we're going to revise it for a bit, uh, just to, to represent the the changes that that have occurred in an additional years worth of play testing. Okay. Um, yeah. So so that that will be available. Um, and as we've said before, right, as soon as the the rules are finalized, right, we've got a yep. manuscript that's ready to go to print. That's also getting posted as a, as a PDF on our awesome. website. Um, so, you know, anyone who backs will get a free PDF, but also anybody who wanders over to the ResNova website mm-hmm. after the rule book has gone to print will be able to download a PDF as well. Nice. Awesome. So, so yeah. So, again, we're trying to, and I've said this before, but we're trying to reduce the barriers to entry to play the game as sure. much as possible. Nice. Right on. So, so go oh, for I'm it. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, uh, is it time for a break real quick? Sure. I think it might be. I think it's a good time for a break. Yeah. This is Community Pat, and you're listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian. Yeah. And we're back. Oh, man, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> you needed that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, on, in a couple days, yep. when it goes live, yes. what else is going on that day? So, yeah, we've actually got a bunch of things that will be running. Um, we will have, so Brian, CP Steel, um, yep. you know, game designer extraordinaire, uh, lead game designer on Warzone Eternal, will be streaming in some form pretty much most of the day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I presume Brian is going to have to step away and do things like eat or, uh, you know, respond to knocks uh, on the door. Maybe. No. So, so yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not, go- not going to say that Brian is going to be sitting, staring at the computer, asking every question that comes along. Um, but, yeah, so Brian will be streaming. But he's going to be sitting there answering yep, for, every for, question that comes along. Right. Yeah, he, he probably will. Brian is good about that. Yeah. And you can find that on the on YouTube on under the uh, Tales of from the Professional Nerd. Yeah, Tales from yes. the Professional Nerd. Right. Yeah, and on right. TikTok, if he's smart, because I know he can go live on TikTok now. That's true. He should oh, have a right. ghoulie going live there, and he's also known as the professional nerd on TikTok. Right. The professional nerd. Yep. Yeah, and we'll also make sure that uh, all this, all the events for the May 2nd are are posted on the Resnova Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, the Warzone. We'll probably make Facebook some group. events yeah. that people can oh, join. Oh, events. That's right. events. Right. That's right. Make some event, yeah, these are calendar events. event stuff. These are events. <laughs> these so are events. Should, yeah. We should treat yep. them as events. Yep. Yeah, okay. So um, what else you got going yeah. for the Kickstarter? <laughs> uh, and then we will, uh, and then you, me, the host. What am I doing? Uh, you will be playing, or at least I love the fact that he's asking like he doesn't even know. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Well, this, this is good. This is good. <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, along with some of the uh, some Lansing, of the playtesters, Lansing playtest yes. uh, locals, will be um, running a live game of yep, at, Warzone Eternal at Evolution Games. Evolution Lansing. Games. Yep. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a... It's about 5 o'clock is when we're going to go live. All right. I think it's a capital Cybertronic match. Yes, it is. All right. And you guys will be using the miniatures from the, the faction starters. The faction starters, yeah. Yep. So it'll be a 30... I think it's 30-point battle. Yeah, I think it, it yep. equals out to 30 points. Um, nice. So, yeah, so you guys will be running that live. Yep. And that'll be live on uh, our YouTube channel uh, and possibly our TikTok and or Twitch we're trying to figure out well exactly what all's going to happen. Let me see one of those Cybertronic men that you uh, 
uh, painted up. The Cybertronic. I want to show the TikTok guys over here uh, with Cybertronic and a capital as well, if you don't mind. Now you're asking for a lot. Am I asking for too much? <laughs> all right. So because I'm old and broken. All right. So this is a Cybertronic. Uh, right? Yeah. That is that no. is an Attila. Attila. Also known as a Curassier. Curassier. A what? Yeah. Right there. Uh, let me put my hand up behind there so the camera will better give it a better focus. Focus. There we go. Yeah, it's slick. All the fun part of the cool about this one is while there's a live going on. <laughs> the cool thing about this miniature right here is I would kill this miniature. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. And this is from uh, Capital. Yep, yes, that's right. a, uh, And we're are we and we're talking about Cybertronic here in a bit, right? A little yeah. bit more. Yep. Um, and this is Capital. This is a what? It's a Capital Freemarine with a D-Pat Nine RPG. D-Pat Nine RPG. That's right. Wow, well, with a. Uh, uh, multi multi laser scope. Uh, and it is amazing weapon. Just for the record, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty wild. Um, but does it? Uh, but does it have a uh, grenade launcher uh, underneath it? It does not. Oh, okay. It does not. <laughs> but okay. he does have a Punisher short sword on his back. Does he really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. All free marines do. Very cool. Is that like their standard weapon? Yeah. So standard it's like the one? standard weapon for the Capital Free Marines and Sea Lions, which mm. you know, I've mentioned on this podcast before. Right. You do favorite. like the Sea Lions. I love the Sea Lions. <laughs> um, yeah. So so you guys will be doing that. Yep. And then that evening we'll be capping it off. Uh, Brian and I will be joining another podcast that we'll be uh, announcing announcing mm. a little bit closer to the uh, um, the launch date. But yeah, again, all these things we will have. Uh, calendarized mm -hmm. events created. Awesome. And so people yeah. that are interested in kind of engaging with us on launch day will yeah. uh, will have the chance to do so. Yeah, we're at Dead Zone Podcast. We're super excited to do this. Um, the guys are like, "Hey, can we test out a couple things real quick?" So I make sure I know that rule. <laughs> I'm yes. like, "Yeah, definitely." <laughs> no, 100. I mean, so these are play testers, and yeah, I, I will use this as an opportunity to um, once again thank you to all of the Wars on Eternal play testers. Um, yeah, we've got a we've got a great group of people, and so yeah, it's it, what's nice is having playtesters though that are um, I actually see their face in person. So, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's been good. That's and some good. of them are super passionate. Yeah, super <laughs> they are passionate. absolutely. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Yep. It really is. Uh, some of the posts that are in the playtest group are just like. <laughs> Well, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I would never have thought of writing a dissertation on that. <laughs> but here no, we are. And that, that's the thing, right, is because of that and because we've been doing that for a whole other calendar year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm biased and proud, but sure. I think that we've ended up with a, a really slick rule set. So, yeah. It really is. Okay. So it's funny because, like, the first, the first couple games that I played, it was a constant refer to the rules, constant mm -hmm. refer to the rules. And it was like, wait a second, I know that rule. I don't, we can just play. Yep. <laughs> and, right. we, and by that third game, we were just playing. Right. And like the first time he threw a frag, we had to look it up. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, what does the scatter do? Yep. Because he completely botched it and rolled a 20. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it, like the scatter rule is so simple. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that rule. Uh, and all of a sudden, it became a uh, we're going to throw grenades at each other, <laughs> just to see how much we can mess up. <laughs> well, and I think that's you know, exactly what you know playtesters should be doing yeah. is including tactics that no normal player Parties would ever, ever do play in a yep. normal game. Right. But also, like when you look at one of these cards, one of these cards that shows all the ab abilities and and uh, special abilities that each 
character has, you got to play each. You got to play a, a way in which you're going to involve everything, so you can see everything, right? Sure. Oh well, yeah. Um, so, I, like nerves of steel. This unit may declare an action that moves them closer to enemies. In LOS, what is that? Line, Line of, sight. of sight. Line of sight. <laughs> um, even if they have a pinned counter, yep, I would use that all the time. Well, yeah, I mean it's one of oh, the I things. Oh, I did. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, camouflage. It's not a real thing, but <laughs> any obstruction modifiers to the uh, TN for a shoot action test target. Being this unit are increased by plus X. What's a TN? Target, uh, target number. number. So yeah, target every, number. Everything. Every time you roll a die in Wars and Eternal. You have a target number you're trying to reach. Right. Is there a legend that tells you what all these little abbreviations mean? Uh, so, now being, being a <laughs> lawyer by day, um, one of the things that we've done with this is the first time any acronym or uh, it's spelled out relevant name, relevant word appears in the text, we explain what it is, and then we also put in quotations behind it what the abbreviation is right. for the rest of the book. Yep. And then, yeah, and then there will be a glossary at Super lawyery. I know, I know. <laughs> but no, the thing is, like, we, we want we want the rules to, um, you know, when you reference them, yeah. mm -hmm. it to be absolutely clear mm -hmm. what it is that it's saying. So I mean, it, when you're going through initial drafts of a, of a rule set, you just inherently will tend to, Use different terms to refer to the same thing, um, either because you're yeah you're working on the rules you know days apart, or just because all of mm -hmm. these are reasonable terms for it, and anybody would understand that this that they mean the yeah, same. Anybody thing. Anybody would understand that assault and melee are the exact same thing. Exactly. So, but but, but making some sure people that, like look look at Rick's <laughs> face. <laughs> He's like, what? Assault and melee are the same thing. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I would not have guessed that. Because, uh, you know, my military mind yep. doesn't think like that. Sure. Uh, nope. Not uh, at know. all. Assaulting a location is a, for a group of people assaulting. Yeah. Me just, that's melee. <laughs> just yep. him and I, you know, as, yep. I, as I have my ceremonial <laughs> blade. <and I> just, <laughs> looking him in his eyes as I see the light fall. You know, I'm not that's sure melee. that's melee. Either. Is it that not? looked that's more like, like a murder. Love touch. Yeah. That doesn't look like murder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think Rick is a uh, free marine. I think that's mm. what's exactly yeah, probably. Yeah. I did spend most of my time with the marines. There you go. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. Makes sense. Very cool. No. So so you did frag and frag and frag and frag and frag. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, every man. time I activate, I'm like, does this guy have a grenade? I wish I would have yes, seen this. Throw it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and so a, a lot of it, right? We were um, because of those kind of examples. We realized that, you know, for instance, we had one or two units in the in the initial Kickstarter release, right, where everybody yeah. had uh, smoke grenades on them, <laughs> and, and that seems pretty cool. And then you're like, <laughs> until you play, well, so, somebody everywhere. <laughs> somebody sent me a picture, and like there, I think he had twelve smoke templates on the Ooh. table. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Maybe not. Maybe everybody. that's a little bit too cool. Right. <laughs> and so I like I like that answer. It's a little too cool. A little too cool. Um, so yeah. So it, you know, and that's obviously one of these things where you look at a unit yeah. and you're like, well, it makes sense for these guys to have smoke as a as a default for the unit. Yes. Um, but then when somebody decides to, okay, I'm taking just these guys mm -hmm. so I can field as many as possible, uh, and then now again, these are outlier scenarios. But the thing is, yeah. if you don't if you don't address the outliers to the degree that you can, then 
you know, it has the possibility of undermining some of the things that are not outliers. Right? It is. I mean, as a play tester, like, that's one of the things that we're supposed to do, like, honestly, is try to break the game. Yep. Yeah. These are the rules you gave us. Okay, let's break them. Yep. Exactly right. I mean, we're supposed to have fun while we do that. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, yeah, breaking that rule is is that smoke too much. Right. Um, which allows you guys to go back to the balancing part of it. And, yeah, sure, there is some things that you, it'd be cool if everybody had it. But because of balance, not everybody gets it. Right. Yep, exactly right. <laughs> I've been trapped in a couple conversations between Alex and Brian in regards to balance. <laughs> um, where my eyes gloss over and I'm just like, you're I don't feeling know. very balanced. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a, in the middle. <laughs> they put me in a very zen state yeah. of mind. Yeah. Uh, but no, but once they, it, it, but it's also kind of neat when both of them kind of like the light bulb goes off and it's like, that's it. That's that's where it's at. And uh, then I just go, what? What, what, yeah. what happened? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. That works for me, too. Yeah. I, I believe that. Oh, no. it was. Not, I was waiting for other conversations to happen. <laughs> and, uh, because for anybody listening that doesn't already know, I'm not a big tabletop war gamer by any What means. I absolutely love about this, Alex, is I showed him Dead Zone. We played a couple games of Dead Zone. Well, I'm, and I'm ever since then, now, though. Yeah. ever since then, he was like, I also played this. Oh, and then I played this. Yep. Oh, I have, oh, I've played this. You're a war gamer. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. You're a war gamer. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. If you don't want to identify as such, you don't have to. <laughs> I, that's right, because I can, I can identify as anything I want. Right. Exactly. All right. So, I, so yeah. I mean, snowflake. The, 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 the fact <laughs> is... You have, um, yeah, you've played enough that um, yes. you at least understand the language that we're using, even if desiring to go to that level right. of uh, of detailed <laughs> discussion is not where you yeah. want to spend your I time. Mean, I mean, yeah, I was, again, it was brilliance at work. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> sure. Uh, between t- two individuals that are very passionate about the, the game and the rule set that they're creating for this. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, when it comes, when, when the light bulb went off, this had to do with the medics, I believe. The last mm-hmm. time you guys, I, yep. I was caught in the middle. And I'm just over here going, I actually was interested because I was a medic. medic. Right? So I was like, oh, yeah, that's neat. That, that, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> in a real world sense. But yeah. when they started, like, coming up with the, like, you know, for again, for balance of that, that particular character where you don't, because I thought there was a, confu- or a, a concern that people would just field a bunch of medics. Yeah, well, field a bunch of them or field none of them. Or field none of them, right. right. Yeah, so trying to find out what the sweet spot is. Yeah, and watching you guys do that was, yeah, it was enlightening for me because it's not a, again, it's not a a place in which my mind rests. Right, sure. Right, Uh, or thinks about those kind of things. And, again, what that showed me, and if anybody in the community could have listened to that conversation, (laughs) right, they would understand the passion that you and Brian have in regards to creating this wonderful game that is going to be, you know, something that people are going to enjoy. They're yeah. going to enjoy this game. They're going to, and there's going to be a lot of good feedback. And granted, there's going to be those individuals who are like, well, this is unbalanced. Sure. And, and, and then the Brian can be like, yep. And we're going to make an addendum to that in an upcoming source book that will cost nine ninety nine. Well, I, 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 I don't know. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm no. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's the great, that's the great thing about playtester groups. Yeah. We're not done. Ever. When the game Goes yes. and launches yeah. and success. Yeah. Everybody's got it, and we've even got tournaments at local stores. Right. Yeah, our work is definitely not done as playtesters. Right. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. But like I said, I think the community—if they could see those conversations, right? 
it only lends oh, yeah. to how awesome this is going to be. So take note, people. Take Listen. note. You've seen me, you love me, you know you want me. Here you're listening to Dead Zone the Podcast with Rick and Brian. Don't turn that dial or I'm coming for you. But but I do think that somehow, and this was a absolutely interesting conversation, but I think this spawned off of, <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing to launch the Kickstarter? I know, right? <laughs> and, All the things going around the Kickstarter well, turned it into this. Well, well, and and, and yeah. I guess I, guess I you know, just want to slightly redirect because, you know, Rick, I know there were a couple of things you wanted to talk about. Yes, so. my bad. No, no, absolutely. Well, not. I, I mean, it actually kind of it actually all played together because honestly, I mean, Rick was talking specifically about capital. Yep. Uh, and what were some of the things on the cards? And mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to find out from you specifically for the Kickstarter is what's in that first box of capital. So the the faction starter. Yeah, box. the faction starters. Yeah. So we've got um, representation from three of the uh, iconic units, right? And that, that's really one of the things that we we chose to do was was try to find three units for each of the factions that we thought really represented um, you know, that faction in terms of the narrative, but also gave some interesting play style options. Yeah. So for capital, we have the Free Marines because um, the Free Marines are probably, again, even though I think sea lions are better, I think, <laughs> I, I think the Free Marines are probably the most iconic um, capital unit, right? They're the... Guys who have been, you know, court-martialed or otherwise, you know, on the brink of being kicked out of the military and sent off to prison, and you know, they're, they're given an opportunity to do missions, right? Insane, um, you know, zero survivability, and but but they're they're like literally. So they're they're the original Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad or <laughs> Bad Batch. Yeah, Bad exactly. Batch. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So the, the idea. Nice. Right, they're they're the guys, and because capital is um, you know kind of a stereotypical America at its at its height of of capitalism and flashiness, right? Yeah, they're also like the heroes in every single capital um, motion picture that is produced, <laughs> right? So all the kids, right, think that yeah, yeah capital, like oh, they're the Free Marines, they're the, best. They're the coolest, yeah. right? But but in reality, right there. They're put. They're sent on missions where, again, the you know, <laughs> other constant threat of court martial. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just like um, you know, survivability rates are, are really low, right. and you know, the guys who who manage to survive mission after mission are just like the most battle hardened, gritty stereotypes of a nineteen eighties. Um, right. You're not going to survive going to those asteroids, but you're going to look good doing right, it. Exactly. <laughs> Free Marines made me the man I am today. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mechanical arm and uh, <laughs> leg. All right. Yep. Um, then the second unit are the Sunset Strikers. Okay. And the Sunset Strikers are a specific regiment of capital troops that are based on Mercury, which is a, um, a domain that's primarily ruled by Mishima. I was going to say, they kind of have a Mishima kind of feel to them, don't yeah. they? Yeah. So now it depends on which... Now, again, this goes back to something we've talked about before, in that there have been enough iterations of the game, enough um, variations in text that... 
uh, you know, there are different kind of cannon right, yeah. that you could use. But so it's it's anywhere from these are the the capital soldiers that defend the capital interests in Mishima or on on Mercury, and thus over time they've developed uh, or adopted a lot of the you know, Mishiman culture. Sure, um, you know they, they've become adept at using the same type of ceremonial blades that a, a Mishiman uh, samurai or Hatamoto uses. Um, or Very alternatively, nice. right there's there's also been some text written about how, you know, it was a Sunset Striker unit that that like rescued a Mishiman noble from from assass- an assassination attempt, and therefore they were granted the the right to continue using or to use the ceremonial use. blades oh, nice. and, and gained a level of honor, right? So mm. so being yeah. part of a Sunset Striker regiment means like you show up in mercury like and now you better understand like this is what the tradition is of this regiment and this is what our relationship is with the um yeah the, the corporation whose home home turf we're on um and so you know we're kind of adopting a kind of a middle ground in, in between the, of all the different lords yeah exactly yeah. Oh, um, that's cool so the sunset strikers uh like most capital special forces right they all use the m50 assault rifle as their yep. standard um, but whereas the, the free marines are, you know, about camouflage, infiltration, and then have, you know, punisher short swords as, yeah. you know, if we got to get stuck in, we got to get stuck in. Um, the, the Sunset Strikers are particularly adept close combat, close combatants. And they really are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, yeah, the, the starter set will have uh, a couple regular Sunset Strikers, or maybe, I think it's one or two. And then, and then there's a Sunset Striker operator. Which is um, the operators are a kind of a class that's available to a number of different units in in Warzone Eternal, and these are the guys who are guys and gals who are specifically uh, adept at, at grabbing objectives, right? Yeah. And so okay. they can hold objectives. They've got smoke grenades, so that they can <laughs> they can they, exactly. Yep. Um, so <laughs> so they, they can help out. You know, the, the troops. Um, they're really kind of um, uh, you know battlefield game pieces, right? Yeah. They'll allow you to do different or interesting things on the battlefield other than just go shoot those guys. Yep. And then the last thing we've got is a single um, Martian Banshee. And so the Martian Banshees are uh, kind of the, the heavily armored, jet-packed, equipped, um, I don't want to say suicide troops, but they're just, they're people who have um, you know, adopted a reckless and I'm going to fly directly into your face um, form of, of combat. Um, we, we did we did make a slight change with uh, so again like most capital special forces, Martian Banshees always had the M50 assault rifle as well. Yeah, but we decided to to change things up a little bit, and because we uh, um, we wanted them to be close range combatants, they've all got submachine guns. Yep. And so the whole idea there is like they they fly in, they, they get in first, they get in yeah. first, they land, they disrupt enemy formations. It allows the Sunset Strikers and the Free Marines to you know, move up behind, knowing that the Martian Banshees have flung themselves directly into harm's way. So, I was, uh, we were doing a play test, and we decided to play one of our own missions, mm-hmm. uh, and we did a capture the flag style mission, where the flag was in the middle, and it was the first person to capture the flag. <laughs> Get it back to their base. Right. Like, that was the mission. You yep. didn't get victory points or anything for killing anybody. It didn't matter. All you had to do was get the flag. I thought I had the game because I used him, and I got immediately to it. And as I was turning around and coming back, Capital uh, Cybertronic said no. Yep. <laughs> like, he was just like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have just 
jumped on that because well, I was out in the open. And I mean, I think it's one of the things that we're really trying to achieve, right, is we want a highly mobile game. Yeah. Right. So something like Capital, and Capital is the faction that really stresses mobility above everyone else. Yes. Um, we want Capital, if if you want to take that, that route or that approach, you can move to objectives quickly. You can mm-hmm. try to grab objectives quickly. But again, because we introduced that kind of limited reaction system, yep. you don't get to just fly in there, land, <laughs> and say, well, as long as you can't see me on your turn, I'm okay. Because as the Martian Banshee is making their nice para- Ambush! parabolic arc you know, with their jump packs, <laughs> yep. um, yeah, no, they uh, everyone on the board who can see them, right, and has has reaction, um, oh, or specifically for ambush, reaction and act- activation tokens and activation available, token, yeah. Then, then yeah, you can nail that guy oh, yeah. before he lands. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, that, that's they're quick, but being quick and careless. <laughs> uh, well, and that's a, that's where I played that advantage because he didn't realize ambush; he wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> so I was able to get in there and get it, yep. and then it nice. was his turn, and it was like. Oh yeah, no, you're not keeping that. <laughs> I can dig that. So right on. So that's that's the capital faction. Yep. Uh, so because it's what I'm playing, mm-hmm. capital and Cybertronics. What I wanted to find out about was a little bit of lore on Cybertronics because yeah. they're like the youngest of the corporations, aren't they? The youngest of the mega corporations. Of the mega corporations. Yeah, well, and yeah. I think that's you know one of the things that's interesting and. Hopefully someday we get an opportunity to play with this. But there are all sorts of corporations in yeah. the Mutant Chronicles universe. We only talk about the five megacorps because they're so big, mm. and they've got you know they've got uh, land or uh, you know, holdings you know on Luna and in the asteroid belts and on various planets. Yeah, there's all sorts of smaller corporations that you know maybe they've got you know manufacturing facility on Mars, and that's the extent of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, but. Of the mega corporation, Cybertronic is the smallest and the youngest. Okay, but by no means the uh, um, weakest. No, yeah, they're actually kind of rich too, aren't they? They are. Um, that's what happens when, like, overnight, a bunch of super smart dudes and start Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's effectively that, right? They right. they they roll in and they manipulate the stock market. There's a bunch of um, quiet, hostile takeovers that occur of of a number of smaller corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of the scientific elite from Bauhaus and the other corporations just suddenly defect, and in nice. in a matter of days, Cybertronic suddenly appears. Huh. And yeah, so, and they've <laughs> and they they start showing off the you know their technology. Now again, they're they're small, so they don't have the they don't have the population of, of somebody like Capital, right? Yeah, Capital's right. enormous. Um, so they've got to figure out ways to ha- um, you know, have advantages there, both economic and also militarily. And so, yeah, they're the leaders in robotics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mishima starts cozying up with them a bit so that they can, <laughs> um, you know, so they can lean on some of the Cybertronic yeah. um, robotic uh, capabilities so that they can create their, their autonomous warheads uh, in Mishima. They've got their... Showa Ace battle suits, which are like their exo armor. Um, so, so yeah, they, they 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 lean heavily there. They also somehow have AI capabilities. When every other corporation nobody has AI yeah. hundreds of years ago, because the dark symmetry yeah. just corrupted all of it. And so everyone's like, well, "How do you guys? 
how, how does your AI function? How is your AI not being corrupted? Now, of course, the Brotherhood is like, heresy! Nice. And, and, and all I can see is Ron Perlman yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From a game mechanic, you guys did really well at um, showing what AI is with Cybertronics, with networking. Like, it's such a cool effect that Rick will have to show it to you because, it, yeah. like, it's awesome to see that because it is. It has that AI feel to it. Yeah, the, the idea we wanted was, or the, the, the idea that we wanted to convey in the mechanics was the capability of all of these um, kind of brain-in-a-box, um, you know, battle suits with the yeah. cuirassiers, um, or even the the chaussiers, which are, you effectively, you know, cyborgs, we yeah. consider them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, half robotic, heavily armored, mm-hmm. um, is the idea that, that they're, in connection they're in network with each other at all times yeah. on the battlefield and so oh, yes so, so what happens oh, typically <laughs> it's so awesome so, man <laughs> no there's a there's a show on tv right now and i think it's on amazon where um it's a future dystopian type situation but these these marines have haptics that are connected to each other so they yep. on the battlefield they know what they can look through each other's eyes. Yep. All sorts of weird oh, stuff. Oh wow! Like, it's the, the show's called Peripheral. Oh yeah, yeah I've heard of that. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, and, it's on my watch list. I just and, haven't uh, when you're telling me this, I'm like, oh snap! Yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> yeah. So so it's very similar to that um, because the idea mechanically is that uh, whereas normally a troop has like one reaction counter, they can be assigned each turn, mm. and once they've been assigned a reaction counter. They cannot do anything else that requires a reaction counter. Yep. With the networked ability, as long as you have friends who have the networked ability, a free... it, within a certain <sighs> range, when I want to react, but I have a reaction counter, mm. I, give I it to take you. my counter and give it to one of my buddies. So now they can't do anything, but now I can react. Right. And so what it allows you to do is play around with the reaction um, economy. That sounds dangerous. Well, absolutely. But we, we didn't realize... It, from a playtesting perspective, we didn't realize how nasty that was until we played our capture the flag because mm-hmm. he sure did that all the way back with his flag and he was able to do the reactions. And I'm right. like, dang it, I can't do anything. Well, so I mean, you know, part of it is like Cybertronic of all the corporations has troops that are the most dedicated to a specific battlefield function. Mm-hmm. And now what that means though is that you're not generally well rounded. Right. Yeah. So you can't respond to a whole bunch of things. So we wanted to make it not feel like it was a complete um, mm-hmm. negative or a complete handicap. Right. Um, and so now you can have your you know, Attila's do something, your Chaucer's or Miramen, you know, mm-hmm. focused on their dedicated roles. Yeah. Right. Um, but then being able to use things like their reaction counters when they need them. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So that's a that's a cool little feature add on Cybertronics and I hope to keep doing this uh, and give our listeners a little bit more of the lore and how that how that plays in Warzone Internal as well. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Um, but what I think that makes it a wrap for us because mm. as it's a Kickstarter and this is two weeks before the Kickstarter, you've got tons of phone calls to make. Yep, I do, yes. <laughs> uh, so again, you can follow us on all the social media platforms uh, and be ready for that Kickstarter release in a couple days on May 2nd. May 2nd. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Thanks for having us.